Welcome to the Road to Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Sherelle Dorsey, tech founder, author, speaker, and networking connoisseur. After several successful businesses and what many would consider a life well-lived, I found myself struggling after earning all of my gold stars to answer the simple question of what's next. Once you've done everything you said you would do and then some, do you create just another goal? Do you hang it up? Do you pivot and show up in a new space? Do you do something you're passionate about and damn proud of? Or do you once and for all decide to put that kind of energy into your personal life and put the work aside? I don't know yet, but I have tons of friends and colleagues and people I admire that have tracked this same journey who will be joining us this season to bear it all. How they answer the question that left them puzzled after earning the highest of highs. Join me in tuning in to hear from those who learn to navigate their own road to reinvention. Welcome back to The Road to Reinvention. Today, my guest is Chandler Malone. And Malone is the founder and CEO of Boot Up, a white-labeled platform that helps individuals, companies, nonprofits, and governments reskill and upskill talent for 21st century needs. Since its debut in 2021, Boot Up has worked with some of the world's largest companies, including JP Morgan Chase, Dell Technologies, Home Depot, and Best Buy, and Budapest has helped over 2,000 people get their first jobs in tech for over $150 million in annualized salaries. Chandler is also a staunch supporter of the Black Tech Street movement and is devoted to helping Black people embrace and leverage tech as a way to build wealth and impact the world. Please welcome Chandler Malone to the podcast. Chandler, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Cheryl. All right, let's dive in. Okay, so Chandler, we established that... You and I met through a series of connections, I think mostly internet, following each other's work, yeah. and then through a mutual friend. You were coming out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, which just in the last few years has really been on the world stage um, for its history, um, the massacre um, in the 1900s and the ongoing economic challenges, uh, not just particularly within the Tulsa community, but I think broadly when we think about who has access to opportunity and what have you. And you started off in this world of venture capital. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And then let's talk about what you're doing today as you've kind of reinvented your own self and gone from venture capitalist to now entrepreneur. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, first of all, just thank you for having me. Um, and, you know, I'll say my initial foray into venture uh, really started when I was an undergrad, um, started interning at a fund called iSelect uh, in St. Louis, did biotech, ag tech investing. And really my goal, um, even then, right, like as a teenager was I want to be able to like learn the language. I want to be able to build the relationships so that I can go back to the other side and put myself in the best position to be able to build a successful company. Um, and so, you know, from there, I had opportunity to work at a couple of different firms mm-hmm. um, where I was able to see different types of deals, um, just learn different approaches from different types of investors um, and also just meet, you know, more great people like yourself, like other investors, you know, like other great engineers that, you know, are needed to be able to build a team. Um, and so, you know, really that time in venture, I feel like for me was um, like a like a practicum, like a like a study, you know, kind mm-hmm. of type of period. Um, but also it obviously like really illuminated, right, these issues that we see in our community with us having access to the capital that is such a catalyst in being able to build so much wealth for ourselves. So that's incredible. 
And right now you're working on a company called Boot Up. Mm-hmm. And I believe you launched what last year mm-hmm. or so. And there's this idea of reskilling and upskilling the workforce. Yep. Um, we've been talking about this idea of automation, right? We see like you go to Whole Foods, you got to check out. You pretty much work there at this point. You got to <laughs> yep. check out and bag your own groceries. There's so many things now that like we're no longer relying on a human touch for, which also means that, you know, quickly, you know, there are lots of folks who no longer will hold those jobs that now computers and robots are kind of are yep. holding. And we know statistically that black and brown people over index in a lot of the service-based industry jobs that are starting to become replaced by technology. And so this idea of upskilling and reskilling is in and of itself its own sort of like path on reinvention where you've reinvented yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, You're helping companies reinvent, you know, their core curriculums and people reinventing themselves as, oh, maybe there's something else that I can learn um, as maybe my job changes or I'm looking to expand um, and have a much more longer career. Uh, and so maybe you can speak to the launch of Boot Up, yeah. why you decided to hyper-focus on this space in particular, yeah. leaving venture capital and saying, I see this problem and I want to I want to build something as a solution. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the time in Tulsa, right, and the time in venture were things that allowed me to see the problem. And so when I first moved to Tulsa, um, Basically, we were tasked with trying to build a tech ecosystem, but you have more people in Oklahoma with college degrees leaving the state every year than coming into the state. Mm. And so- And that's that's for searching for opportunity elsewhere because they're not finding it locally. Correct. Correct. And so when then you're trying to find workers with a specific type of skill to invest in and then to join and build companies, there weren't enough people. And so the first two deals that we did at Atento Capital were into boot camps. One was called the Holberton School. Um, it's one of the most highly technical and one of the longest uh, software engineering focused boot camps. And then another one was in the satellite, which they're a tech sales boot camp, a lot shorter, less technical, slightly different business model. And so my exposure to the space, just from like doing a ton of research and diving deep into those deals, made me realize, right, like college enrollments declined every single year for the past 14 years. College is expensive as hell. I'm still paying for it. Look, I mean, listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's like you're not even guaranteed to have a particular type of outcome from, you know, a financial and just economic yeah. opportunity perspective. And at the end of the day, like we're trying to be able to live good lives. We're trying to have a little bit of freedom and like a certain quality of life. Absolutely. And so if there are certain job opportunities that are available to people that provide that, then People are going to be excited about taking those. Mm-hmm. And so seeing this boot camp path really allowed me to understand there is a smoother pathway, a more accessible pathway mm-hmm. for folks. And at the end of the day, we've got aptitude. You look whenever black folks have been in anything, right? Like we weren't playing baseball and like who has the home runs record right, right in baseball. Right. So like literally whenever we've had access to anything, we've been able to excel. And so really it was just about an access and exposure, um, you know, piece. And so. When I realized there was such a big opportunity and all that it really was was about access and exposure, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah it's going to be hard, but like, this seems like the biggest no-brainer of an opportunity to take. Yeah. And so so talk about like the fundamental mission of Boot Up and yeah. how like it operates just like on a basic level for any of us who are like watching who or listening who don't understand what a boot camp is yeah. and sort of how you're helping to make the connection to provide access. Yeah. So what Boot Up is about is we're trying to solve the labor market gap 
for skilled worker shortages while also providing economic opportunity for folks who are looking to make more income. And so the industry where we've identified that is within tech, right? There's a shortage of software engineers. There's a shortage of data scientists. There's a shortage of cybersecurity specialists. Mm -hmm. There's a shortage of product designers. And so basically what we've done um, is we partnered with a number of boot camps nationwide to be able to help them bring in more candidates, providing a survey, help individuals understand which boot camp was the best boot camp for them to choose. Mm -hmm. Once they matriculated into that boot camp, we offered those boot camps a free CRM so that they could track and manage how well their students were doing through the boot camp. That also gave us data on the boot on the boot camps, A, to know which ones were the strongest ones, mm -hmm. but also B, on the students to be able to help our employer partners understand, hey, you're hiring from this new pathway, but you can be certain that these students have this level of aptitude. Um, and so that's how we initially launched. Yeah, um, and the CRM component, the, the customer relationship management software tool is mm -hmm how you're collecting data, building out a database. And so employers are tapping into this to kind of see, here's what the talent pool is starting to look like. Right, so the CRM, uh, the employers do not have access to, only us gotcha. uh, and okay. the boot camps. But with that being said, there are a few data points that we extrapolate to the employers because we feel like that's important for them to yeah. make a hiring decision. Um, but I will say, um, you know, you talked about pivots uh, a little bit earlier. And so um, we're in the midst of making a pivot right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the boot camps, they have done an amazing job of playing a role in this access gap. Um, but at the same time, it's it's not really the most accessible path for folks anymore. Right. You talked about how college was really expensive. Most of these boot camps are 20K plus now. Right. That's yeah, really expensive. That's still for a big a investment. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and then, still not necessarily a guarantee of a job, right? And I think we see, we've seen the the industry. It's a really interesting space to be in because we've seen the industry do these like massive layoffs, right? Mm -hmm. College degree or not, you know, when you get cut, you get cut. And so I know there's a lot of apprehension of folks because the last few years have been preaching, get into tech, do the boot camp, go to the hackathon, do all of the things. And now you have this advice. It's like, no, you need to double down in really, really learning the craft. And yeah. like a boot camp is a great start but it's not the finish line. If you really want to become adept, if you really want to become really good at what you do and be, you know, indispensable, you know, within the industry or with, with your employer. Yep. And I mean, like, you know, we won't even want to talk about the theme of this podcast, right. Of like constantly reinventing yourself. Yeah. If you're going to be in the technology field and sector, there's going to be this constant need to reinvent, reeducate, you know, et cetera. And so it doesn't really matter which pathway you came through. Yeah. That's going to be a constant. Yeah. And so, so tell me, so talk to us about, um, and you were starting to, to have this conversation around some pivots yep. that you all are doing, particularly at boot up. Yep. Um, so we're seeing the industry in terms of alternative pathways, move away from outsourced boot camps and move more to companies bringing their own boot camps in house. Mm, so okay. for example, when you look at some of the top tech companies in terms of talent acquisition, you know, folks really think about Netflix, uh, as one company that, um, we'll just say like punches above their weight class in terms mm -hmm. of access to talent. They launched a new pathway. If you have a GED and you get accepted into their program and you complete it, you'll get, you will have a full-time job offer at Netflix. Wow. Shopify also has the same program in Canada. So okay. we're going to pause, take a step back. Our biggest customer base isn't tech companies, right? It's retail, it's healthcare, it's financial services, right? And so these companies are looking at the tech companies to understand what they should do to fill their own tech talent pipeline. So can we just put a pin in that? Yeah. I mean, I guess you put a pause, so I'm gonna put a pin. Yeah. So with the with that, 
because it's sexy to work for the big tech companies, mm-hmm. right? But when we look at the long-term sustainability of legacy institutions, healthcare services, retail spaces, these are all industries that are vast, make a ton of money, hire a ton of people, like 100,000 plus people, mm-hmm. and constantly also have to reinvent themselves and get the talent pools that some of the other, like I guess, shiny, sexier companies may get. But they also have like a tech services component that is, you know, that is indicative of, you know, their growth within the industry. Health tech is a is a is a tremendously growing sector. Things with insurance, all these kind of spaces that we think are relatively boring are also always continuously looking for talent. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Yep, definitely. I mean, like for us, you know, two of our customers, Home Depot and Best Buy, mm-hmm. their fastest growing business lines are e-commerce. So right. obviously they need more talent on that side. Exactly. Because people like me order plants online. Yep. And you're like, I have this huge box that like gets delivered in like three days, you know? <laughs> yep. But also just the fact that now I can do curbside pickup wherever. Yep. So again, you're thinking like Home Depot and just imagine the software engineers that are making the app a hundred times better. Yep. Yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, and so, you know, with that being really our, you know, prime customer, mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity for us to take the fundamentals that your cutting edge tech companies are using for talent acquisition and bring those to your non-tech companies. And so instead of working with boot camps, um, you know, going forward, and actually this is my first time um, like sharing this, like- We got the probably, exclusive? Yeah. That means <laughs> yeah, I'm a good yeah, journalist, yeah. hey. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, this is my first time sharing this publicly. Um, like we've talked about it a ton within our team and you know, we've talked about it with all of our investors and partners. Yeah. But um, we're actually gonna be working directly with companies to co-create curriculum with them. Rather than directing candidates to these outsourced boot camps, mm-hmm. we're gonna be directing candidates directly into opportunities with companies. So we're not gonna be able to do the scale initially that we were able to do. But at the same time, we're going to be able to ensure that every person that gets into a program has a job opportunity waiting on the other side for them. So, And it creates this self-perpetuating feedback loop and cycle. And when I was when I was in like random factoid, um, I worked for Microsoft in high school. And you think about how you can get trained on companies' internal systems. Yep. And you have that knowledge base, which makes you a stronger employee. Yep. And as you continue to cycle throughout the company, you are rooted in their practices and their culture, what have you. And that makes a lot of sense versus kind of boot camp, you know, USA anywhere. And there's a lot of great, strong boot camps. But I find that what employers often say is like, yes, they have the fundamentals, but now you have to learn our systems. Yep. So it's interesting that you're actually co-creating because now you are adapting the skills that are necessary for that particular job, but you're introducing people in kind of a non-intimidating process. And I think other companies like um, Amazon has a very similar program. And it sounds like this is going to be the future forward for most companies where how do we have like internal, um, internal accelerators or learning opportunities that, you know, create stronger employees that upskill, you know, and stay with us because it's, even cheaper to do that versus losing your best talent at the end of the day. Yep. Yep. And I mean, like, right, like we talk about some of these top companies that are doing it, right. And we mentioned, right, like Amazon, right. Like even, you know, Microsoft and Accenture are two other right top companies who have like some similar models, but you even just look about how job training had been done for decades and decades and decades before we had this huge, just like universal university industrial complex, right. Yeah. You want to go learn how to make shoes 
you show up as an apprentice and you sit there and you watch and you learn until you are good enough to actually go do it yourself. And so, I mean, like that is the most efficient education model. Um, And we don't need to have like this huge institution that's like super subsidized by taxpayer dollars, our dollars, et cetera, in the middle. Um, when we can learn what we need to learn from the people who are going to be giving us the jobs anyway. Yeah. I, I find that very fascinating um, as someone who did go to college twice <laughs> and yeah. spend a lot of money in order to do so. And looking at the expansiveness of, you know, college teaching you how to think and mm-hmm. not necessarily how to get a job or work a job, right? Yep. Even when you've done internships or things like that. Um, but being able to be tied to very specific skill sets and teaching to the skill set can be very advantageous. You kind of cut out the fluff, you cut out the expense, um, and you can kind of go directly in. And so it's 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 fascinating how much the entire conversation on education is changing and transforming. Yeah. Um, but. I want to back up a little bit because you did speak to the pivot, the pivot Mm -hmm. of company. Yeah. And when you're first getting started, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you're so excited about your idea. Yeah. And in some cases, like you cannot be too attached to the baby as it is. You have to let it grow and mature into what it's going to be. Yeah. So as you were having these insights that you were drawing from your initial sort of like target market and customer base and realizing actually our ability to co-create curriculum to have employer partners that can actually give our folks jobs that's going to be a much stronger and sustainable model but like there's some tension there when you're realizing like oh shit, did I, like, I, I did this wrong, but also like, here's the opportunity. Yeah. So like, what was like your, your process in then the layer of comfortability as you realize I have to reinvent this business and then go and tell the people who, you know, who wrote me checks that like, we're having to make a pivot based on what we've learned in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, so I think the things feel a lot harder from the outside, but when you're doing it, you're just trying to survive. Right. Yeah. And so like, when you see things moving in a certain direction, um, I know for myself at least, I'm thinking more about what we need to do to get to the next step than like what got us to this step. Um, And so, you know, in general, right? Like if customers are saying something, then that's what we have to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, And and again, I think it also gets down to like why you started building the company. And the company that we're building, right, is about providing economic opportunity to people. And so if there's a clear way that is going to provide more people access at a higher degree of confidence Then, like, that's just like what we need to do. And it doesn't really matter the way that we are doing it as long as we're doing it in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, And so I would say that like the tension, there wasn't really a ton of tension. It was more of like, this is what we have to do. Okay. So, you know, we're going to go do it. Let's rally and regroup. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also as a founder, like keeping morale is a super important thing. Um, and so, yeah, because yeah. not everyone's comfortable with change, right? Yep. And in startups, like it's changed all the time. Like Monday can be very different than Friday. Yep. And you've got to be able to adapt. Yep. That's really tough. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I will say also, I think that's part of the exciting thing. And one of the benefits that you have as a startup, right? You know, for us, we've got 13 people. And so if we decide that we want to go do something new tomorrow, we can sit down over the course of two days and figure out what it is we want to do and how to do it and go do it. Whereas, you know, if Microsoft wants to go do something new, it's going to take them two quarters, you yeah. know? And so um, 
again, to this piece of, you know, there being, you know, opportunities to pivot and, you know, how, you know, it kind of just like makes one feel as a founder. Yes, there's that little bit of apprehension, but I think also there's that excitement piece of like, oh, this is like our core competency. We can move faster than other people. We're about to tap into it and we could have an amazing result from this if we, you know, do it the right way. I love, I love how you said, you know, like two days, your team rallies and we're like, we're on, we're on to the races. And that is definitely like a core of startup culture. What I found, especially in my own startup journey is there's a difference between getting something started, right? And like being gung-ho, the leader, when you're getting things off the ground, right? Like that is a very different version of yourself than when things are starting to take off. You've got the Fortune 1000, the Fortune 500 clients. You're doing, you know, high monthly recurring revenue, high annual recurring revenue. You've gone from yourself, your idea at your kitchen table, you know, into you've got a team of 13 people that like you have to answer to, you know, who have their own families and their own lives and ambitions and struggles. And so now you're no longer like, it's just me. It's just my idea. If I fail, it's only on me. Now it is, I am a CEO. I am a leader. I am managing a series of things, investor relationships, partner relationships. Like I can't F this up. Yep. Right. Can you talk about like that part of the mental reinvention process as you're going through these stages of the growth of not just your business, but I think as your, your yourself. And on top of that, like you switched entire cities. Yeah. You left Tulsa, which I imagine is a completely different environment. Yeah. And decided to come to Miami. Yeah. So your reinvention also had a geographic location switch, which also requires a very different, you know, mindset as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say that's the hardest part, honestly. Um, you know, I think like being able to find an opportunity in the market and explain what the value proposition is, right? is like just the tip of the iceberg. Being able to be the person that can convince other very strong, passionate, um, you know, competent people to leave what they're doing and leave the security that they have to go join you. But not only just get them to do that, but also then continue to lead them in a way that like provides clarity and space for them to be their best. Like, I think that's the hardest part of all of it. Um, And I mean, yeah, like definitely has been a huge growth process. Um, You know, in the very beginning, our just retention of employees was definitely not the way that, you know, I wanted it to be. And a lot of that just comes from, you know, learning from trial by fire, you know? Yeah. Um, How did you, how did you manage that part? Yeah. Because like, that's the really unsexy side of like team building, right? I think, on the surface, you're like, oh, yeah, I have team members. I'm announcing what have you. And sometimes things don't work out. Yeah. And that can be rough, whether they weren't a good fit for you or you weren't a good fit for them. Yeah. You know, that's that's a challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I think a being able to like be transparent and communicate with people. Um, I think like that allows there to be just like a better depth of understanding, like between people. And so when things don't necessarily go the way that you want them to go, um, like being able to communicate in a certain type of way, I think allows for there to be like a path forward. Um, even if working in that, you know, potential, you know, relationship 
that type of like work relationship like doesn't necessarily work. Um, and I think that like, again, right, like this is a super, super long journey, right? Like, you know, we can be looking in year one or year two or year three of like the things that we're working on, but you know, we look up 20 years from now and like, right. I definitely see myself doing this work. And I know a lot of the other people that I'm coming into contact with also see that. And so, you know, there are going to be those times where every single, you know, work interaction doesn't work out. But I think that it's important to be able to continue to have that path forward because if we're all moving towards the same goal, like we need to be able to work together, even if it's in the future, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How does reinvention look for you today compared to maybe the first step you took on that plane to leave yeah. Tulsa? Um, yeah. How is that different? Um, I think when I was in Tulsa, um, I would look to my investors a little bit more before I made decisions mm. um, rather than, you know, looking to my customers and, you know, trusting what I was hearing from them. Um, and I think, you know, part of that was, I was just a little bit earlier in my journey. Um, yeah. You know, I will say also, you know, I keep up with my investors very frequently. Like we've got, you know, multiples that we keep up with biweekly, you know, we keep up with everyone monthly. Um, but in Miami, none of my investors actually live here. And so even just that like feeling of like, oh, I need to kind of like check in in a certain type of way before I do something. Um, it's like the communication is strong, but I feel a level of freedom to do what we need to do mm -hmm. to continue to move forward. Um, and then the other thing that I'll say here, right, is that like Miami is still very, very early in its growth in technology. Yeah. And I will say specifically for black and brown folks, there is a huge opportunity as well. And so, you know, being here, I think that I've gotten direct access to some opportunities and to some individuals and, and companies that it would have been hard to get direct access to in other places. And again, right at the end of the day, my job is to do what's best for the business. And so if I can go move somewhere that's giving us opportunities, like yeah. less gatekeeping, less red tape, Yep. you know, folks don't know that yep. other places do things differently. So you kind of get to get some early wins, I can imagine. Yep. And, you know, even to, to that reinvention piece, I think that, you know, it's not even like a full reinvention thing, but the more wins that you get, the more confidence that that builds. And I yeah. feel like you, people can feel when you are moving through rooms, you know, a little bit more differently and more opportunities begin to come, you know, to you when you're moving a little differently as well. Absolutely. So. so we spoke a little bit about this sort of new world of work and the education piece. I wanted to kind of come back to that yeah. Um, because there's so much unlearning. Um, I had Felicia Hatcher on and, and we talked about this idea around unlearning. And, you know, you even just spoke to like, when we think of place, you know, Miami's ecosystem still building up for the first time. Yeah. So there's these, all of these like new ideas floating around about what education actually looks like. Can you speak to how we can also be rethinking, um, you know, for our listeners, our viewers, how we can even rethink what we have access to or capable of and how like education and learning is taking a different shape. It doesn't necessarily always mean a degree. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day. And like maybe through your work, you can kind of help us realize and understand like. What, what can that look like today? Yeah. Um, so I'll say just first, when we think of, you know, just like our large systems in this country, right? Education is really driven by the enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. When we look at like what universities are ranked the highest or, you know, any of those things, it's based upon like, where do people get jobs, you know? And so um, 
if the enterprise decides, right, that there is a more efficient way to educate, then people will then have access to more efficient right. pathways. Um, and so, right, like for example, what made the boot camps viable is that companies began accepting that form of education and began hiring from it. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I think as we move into a world where more and more skills are needed that are not in the college curriculum because those are large institutions that struggle to be able to move quickly, yeah. we're going to see less and less of a need for a certain sort of credential, right? Um, and I think that, you know, we can even look at like this whole like Web3 movement that, you know, happened over the past couple of years. Um, you've got folks who were writing code in Solidity that are 21 and they are veterans, right? Because mm -hmm. they've been doing it for two to three years and there's no one who's been doing it for seven years because it hasn't been around for seven years, right? right? And so let's say that you're JP Morgan, right? Or let's say that you're Disney, or let's say that you're Adidas, or any of these companies mm -hmm. that decided that it was important for them to move into Web3. You can't hire someone with a Solidity degree. You right. literally can't. And so at that point, if this is an important thing for your company, you're going to have to get comfortable really quickly with hiring folks who don't have those similar or those traditional type of credentials. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I just see the world moving, you know, more and more in that direction, right? Like, you know, people aren't learning how to be drone operators in college, right? But at the end of the day, if you're working within a media company, right, that is probably one of the fastest growing roles within media. Yeah. Um, and so I just use those as, you know, a few examples. Yeah, no, you actually made me uh, think of, I, I met years ago, like randomly, um, there was a program here in Miami. Uh, it was called, it was called Drone College. And it like literally like 300 bucks and they'll teach you how to fly a drone. Yep. And folks were like getting really incredible jobs, like after coming out of this program, you yep. know, and like folks who barely had a high school, you know, diploma who were like now having this like in-demand skill yeah. and joining all kinds of different companies across industries. So I totally understand, um, you know, that there's, as you say, like that kind of skill shortage or that deficit. And a lot of times I think prior to having this conversation, it felt like, oh, it is the, the worker's responsibility in and of ourselves to be skilled for what's next. But I love the way that you framed it because it requires organizations and institutions and employers themselves to really take a look and say, okay, we do have to reinvent yep. a bit of how we hire. Maybe our recruiters aren't just going to like the top 10 schools. Maybe they're looking at community colleges. You know, maybe they're looking at, you know, who's, who's most active on GitHub. Maybe they're yep. looking at like tech TikTok or something like that. And mm -hmm. like finding folks who are like publicly demonstrating some of their skill sets. Like the world is rapidly changing and We've got to adapt, yep. you know, we've got to adapt. We've got to keep our eyes open because talent is absolutely everywhere. Um, so now how do we apply opportunity to that at the end of the day? Yep. Yep. And then, you know, I think also when you talk about the individual, um, I think that we do need to be very, very, very intentional about doing what we can to provide as much exposure as possible. Yeah. Right. Which is like why this is really important and like all of the work that you've done. Um, but I think also just trying to get folks who, have built cultural credibility in other areas of yeah. our culture to understand the opportunity here and to share the opportunity. Um, because like, yes, obviously like it is, the onus is on the individual to be able to gain a certain level of skills. Right. But at the same time, you can't ask someone to go do something that they're not aware of in mm -hmm. the first place, so. Yeah, yeah, there's no identifying marker 
Right. And I think that's why like social media has been interesting and a little bit dangerous because we're also seeing like folks who've been in tech for all of six months Mm -hmm. who are like hosting courses. Right. And like, please, please, please check people's credentials before you start paying them thousands of dollars to learn things that you can learn on YouTube for free. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even, you know, being able to join programs that employers are offering because there's a lot of unfortunate scamming and people taking advantage because so many people have not been exposed to the knowledge and they're willing to put up the resources, which is indicative of their ambition and desire. But there are a lot of folks who can also lead you astray. So it's really important to be able to connect to companies like Boot Up um, who have reputable, you know, clients and, and and students and that good old CRM you talked about yep. who can show and demonstrate some levels of successes. Um, and then just now, just back to like this, this kind of last, um, you know, question on, you know, the entire theme about reinvention. Um, you know, I, I think it was really important that you shared about some of the pivots that you've made business wise, mm-hmm. um, kind of starting and not holding so strongly just one idea and driving that into the ground but saying, hey, you know, there's a, a, a much more interesting opportunity here that will guarantee higher successes. Yeah. Um, and then also for yourself, um, yeah. what reinvention looked like for you, like you're going to where the business is and where the opportunity is. And for those of, you know, for those of us or, or for those who are watching, those who are listening to this conversation and who are you know, maybe they're in the middle of a pivot from mm-hmm. their company. Maybe yeah. what they start with is not what they're going to be ending with. Um, maybe they're looking to even, you know, hop into this space of technology. Maybe they're looking to get in the healthcare space or maybe not work for, you know, a fancy tech startup, but are trying to find new pathways for themselves. Um, what does reinvention like mean to you and how can they think about reinvention for themselves, no matter what, decision point they are in life. Yeah. Um, so I'll say the first thing is just like the reinvention piece is something that has to be embraced, right? Like people always say the only constant in life is change. Um, and so I feel like the first piece is just like getting comfortable yeah. with that being what you're going to have to do in life. Um, I think the second piece is that those things can always be a bit intimidating. Um, but a lot of times the things that make things intimidating are also what makes them exciting. Um, and so I think, you know, looking, you know, to what can happen in the most upside rather than like what could happen on right. the most Right. Like I'm so excited to fail. Like <laughs> that's probably not going to work, but yeah. What happens if I try and I actually win? Yep. Yep. And I mean, we see examples of so many people who have won before us. And even if there are more examples of people who don't look like us that have won, there are still examples of people who look like us that have won, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and you read all of their stories, right? They all had to go through periods of reinvention themselves. They all had to go through periods of immense un- uncertainty, whether it yeah. was financial, whether it was, you know, family, whether it was, you know, within their business. And so, you know, I think it's just one of those things where it's something that you're going to have to embrace if you want to optimize and like really hit like the highest outcomes that you can. No, I really appreciate that. And I know that our listeners and our viewers are going to appreciate that as well. And thank you so much Chandler for your work, for caring about where people end up and what they have access to. I think it's important. I think it's more than just software and deals and things like that. I think it opens up a new portal for people to say, I can do something even greater. Um, So I hope that you are really understanding that level of impact 
um, as you're building this out. And I know it's not an easy thing to do, um, but it, it's going to change a lot of lives. So I hope you're excited about that impact. Yeah, I appreciate you. And I appreciate all the work that you've been doing um, to just like highlight and, and share all of the work that people are doing to create for others. So, yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Chandler, for joining me today. Yeah, thank, thank you for having you. me. All right. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Road to Reinvention. If you find yourself moved or feeling free after tuning in, make sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform and share this with someone you know who may be navigating a similar journey. You do not have to do this alone. To hang out with me more, head over to join our Fluency newsletter at shereldorsey.com. Until next episode, may you embrace your need to recreate, revitalize, and reinvent yourself over and over.